Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler Podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. Today, we'll be interviewing our very own Holly about the Charlotte Mason method. But first, how's everybody been lately? Well, I've been busy uh, picking up on some unfinished projects. A lot happened in December, and I didn't get to finish up things I wanted to. And in the crafting world, if you have a work in progress, you call it a whip, W-I-P. And so I, somebody on Instagram that I follow had a whip wrap up and I thought it would be more fun and maybe a little bit motivating to join in that little challenge to like wrap things up. That's things neat. Up. And so I am happy to be like knocking out some things that have just been languishing in my project bags and the more I finish, the more excited. I mean, you know how that is. Anytime you have success, you're motivated yeah. to go on and do the next thing. It's like, yeah. how many of these little things can I knock like it's out? Just so a big snowball. Yes, yeah. I picked up my craft snowball again and got it rolling along. <laughs> like, I would like to start some new things. And I found one thing I kind of completely forgot when we moved and it got tucked away. And I mean, I knew it was there, but it, one of the challenges of was, yes, it was kind of like, a, okay, list all the things you have to work on. And I put in my list and like a day or two later, I remembered, oh, I have this huge project, forgot to even include it. But anyway, <laughs> so all kinds of yarny goodness. That's, that's what's been on my plate. How about you, Holly? Well, you know, before we sat down to do the podcast today, I took my own advice and I said, you know, I've got like 30 minutes. It wasn't enough to really do anything for school without making it rushed, which I don't like to do. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really enough to do a whole lot of anything else. So I shifted the laundry and I uh, started a crock pot full of soup. So nice. while we're in here chatting, my soup is cooking away. And uh, when it's time for dinner, and it'll, it'll be ready. And I really encourage everyone that's listening to take advantage of things like that. Take that small chunk of time mm-hmm. and use it to be good to your future self, as Melody says, because now I don't have to stress out and rush into the kitchen and try to figure out what yeah. to make for dinner. And I'm going to try to do more of that because it's not only time economical, but it's cost economical because I'm using some leftover things that were yeah. in the fridge after the holidays. So, yeah. I, it about- makes me feel great when I start a crock pot meal in the morning and I know dinner is done. <laughs> I love that. I know. Don't you just feel so brilliant? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, what about you, Jen? What have you been up to? Well, so since the new year started, it's time for me to figure out all our trips that we're going on this year. So I've been busy making reservations and things like that. And I am doing something exciting in another week. I am going on a just mom's trip to Cabo for a week, which I have never, ever gone on a just mom's trip. So I'm super excited about doing that. Wow. Um, Yes, I know. (laughs) It's like unheard of, right? (laughs) Right. But you know, we've talked about taking care of yourself. Just do something, a little treat for yourself. You work hard and that'll be a real treat. And your kids are older now. Like you don't really have to worry about little ones. Yeah, no, they're good without me for a week, but they were all just totally taken aback that I was going on a trip without them. <laughs> I mean, how dare <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be available all the time? <laughs> now, I mean, we do have like eight other trips planned this year that they're going on, so it'll be fine. <laughs> so we are actually interviewing you, Holly, about the Charlotte Mason method of homeschooling. So this is something I'm kind of excited because I don't know anything about it at all. So let's start off with what exactly is the Charlotte Mason method? Before I I start talking about that, let me just preface this whole fun conversation we're about to have with the fact that I am not an expert. I am a person who has used the Charlotte Mason method since about 1998 with my kids. So that's a long time. Mm -hmm. But every year I'm learning something and incorporating something either that I haven't quite incorporated or I'm doing it better. So I don't know if there's probably someone doing Charlotte Mason method that has arrived. Uh, They've written a book or something and they do it really, (laughs) really well. Uh, But I'm just a real mom. And I just love this way of teaching my kids and of learning Mm -hmm. for myself. And so I am, you know, in yoga, they say you practice. I'm a practicing Mm -hmm. Charlotte Mason homeschooler. I like that. I think that could apply to any type of homeschooling. We're always learning and adjusting and using what works for our families. 
Yeah. So in a nutshell, the whole idea about the Charlotte Mason method is that you use real materials. So Charlotte Mason homeschoolers rarely use worksheets, although there are some curriculum now that people have developed to help someone to do the Charlotte Mason method. So there might be a paper or two. But in my homeschool, we don't use any worksheets. We do use some curriculum like to help teach grammar or to help teach math. Um, so I have not arrived to the point where I do that without curriculum. But for the most part, we are reading really good books that were, were written by someone who was passionate about a subject. And we use those as our educational materials. That what's called living books? I know I didn't yeah. but Living okay. books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the books we used a couple years ago um, was a book about water. It is the most beautifully photographed book I have ever seen. And it is the simplest looking book that kept us enthralled for a whole 12 week period. On each page is a photograph of water and a little explanation about it. And then in the back of the book, there are some experiments that you can do. One of them was about surface tension, which most of us, if we remember our, you know, middle school science, we learned about surface tension. Mm -hmm. But then there were there were experiments to mm -hmm. do with my son spent no joke hours learning to float paper clips on the surface of the water nice. in a in a cup. <laughs> he spent yes. hours trying to catch a bubble and put it under a another like a cup or something mm -hmm. Th this book like i said was deceptively simple but it was written and photographed by a person who found the subject fascinating mm -hmm. and we learned all kinds of scientific principles now charlotte mason one of the hallmarks of the charlotte mason method is short lessons so you know you won't spend an hour on a topic you'll spend 10 to 20 minutes maybe 30 minutes with high schoolers with a topic mm-hmm and what I love about this is that it gives you time to let your kids delve into things that does interest them after your lessons for the day are done. So when my son was spending all this time with water and bubbles, this is what he was doing after we had finished our studies for the day. He spent hours. In his free time. In his free right. time. When we read the thing and maybe we did an experiment right away, that was a very relatively small chunk of time. Mm -hmm. But it captured his interest. And that it seems like how can you learn anything in that short amount of time? But I've seen the fruit of the method. Right. And that's why I stick mm -hmm. to it. Right. Well, I think that a lot of that comes from you spend that short focused time and then they have time to play with that information and experience it hands on. And so it really sticks. It does. And it, like we read a lot of books. I am not joking when I say that we might have 20 books going at one time. And so we might read, you know, for 10 to 20 minutes out of a book once a week because we're reading so many books. Um, right. When we were reading um, this one book we loved, The Wind and the Willows, we loved that book. We've talked about it before. I'd read some of it and then I'd be like, well, that's all we're reading. And my son would beg me, please read more. <laughs> like, no, no, that's, that's all the time sign. we have. We'll read it again next week. And during the time from the one reading to the next, his brain was working on it. He was talking. What do you think that yeah. toad will do next time? What do you think uh -huh. that rat will do? I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? And then the next week we'd come and reread it. And he'd be like, I knew it. Or I didn't <laughs> think that would happen. <laughs> so it gives the kids this rich material to think on and to digest and to ruminate over. And it really makes school something they look forward to. Are there lists of books? Like, are there books that go with subjects? Is, are there suggested books? Or is it just, yeah. you can so use the I, method with any book? You actually can use the method with any living book. I love Ambleside Online. I've been following their suggestions since I discovered Charlotte Mason. Like I said, I think it was 97 or 98. I'm not really for sure. And uh, Charlotte Mason, every year that the student is um, in school, is it like year one, year two, whatever? It doesn't correspond mm -hmm. to public school grades. Okay. Uh, so my son is in fourth grade. He's in year five of Ambleside Online because we started when he was in kindergarten. 
mm-hmm. with we start with year one. There is a year zero. Um, so Ambleside is really based upon as much as possible what Charlotte Mason herself did. She was an uh, educator in the 1800s. She developed a, a series of schools. Um, she wrote a series of books called, uh, they call it now the original homeschool series. There are six volumes in it. And she, uh, at the time, education in England was kind of um, not very good. And so she had these educational ideas. She was a governess from the time she was 16. And she had these educational ideas and she wrote books and she developed these schools. And then there were parents who educated their children at home. We know that England, a lot of kids had governesses or whatever. So she wrote materials for that. Ampleside Online strives to emulate as much as possible the way that Charlotte Mason advocated teaching. Okay. But there are lots of ways to do Charlotte Mason. There's a woman named Karen Andriola. When she lived in England, she found out about Charlotte Mason and she wrote, I think it's simply Charlotte Mason. I'd have to check the The Charlotte Mason Companion. Yes. Thank you. There are so many Charlotte Mason books and I actually (laughs) lent that one out. So it's not sitting here on my desk today. But anyway, Karen Andriola is like the modern person uh, of Charlotte Mason, and she had an extensive uh, website, and she would go to speak at all kinds of homeschool conventions. And so she's a person that a lot of people follow for Charlotte Mason. There's another woman named Penny Gardner who has written on Charlotte Mason. There's a woman named Catherine Levison who's written on Charlotte Mason. And like I said, there's Ambleside Online. And then there's some curriculums. Um, Simply Charlotte Mason, I think, is a curriculum and a website. I pretty much just, I found Ambleside Online and camp there. Mm-hmm. That's not to say they're the best and nobody else is any good. There's lots to learn from all the different people. And I've read a lot of the different books. I just, they make it easy for me. Mm-hmm. It works okay. for me. I also want to mention for the children's sake, Yep, that's on my desk too. Mm -hmm. Because that was the first way, way back. I I was looking for it to see because I when I buy a book, I'll write the date, you know, the year I bought the books. I don't know when I got it, but way, way, way back in the day. And I read that book and echoed everything I believe about a learning lifestyle and a family centered Mm -hmm. life and education, short lessons, like just a you know, cup full of knowledge, being outside, all the things I knew were children developing. And so I incorporated all of those ideas into, like I've said before, unit studies, which is what Mm -hmm. we do. But we did them in a really Charlotte Mason way. And I just, you know, kept playing along. And then years later, all these other amazing resources were out there. I'm sure Ambleside Online was available then, but I didn't have the internet. And so that was my introduction to Charlotte Mason. And I just love, there's a real respect for people, children are persons. There's a real respect for people as people and um, just taking the time, it's gentle, to gently nurture your family. And it just really appealed to me. Yeah. And when you teach your children using the Charlotte Mason method, you're not just looking at them as an empty cup where you just cram as much information as possible and make them memorize tons of information. That's not at all what it's like. And you really try not to get in between your child and the materials. So um, one of the biggest hallmarks of Charlotte Mason method is that your children narrate. When they're young, they narrate by speaking, telling you what, what you've, when you read to them, you'll say, now tell me, you know, tell me about what we just read. Mm-hmm. And you can find out immediately what your child understood about right. the material, but you don't correct their narrations. You just let them tell you. So sometimes my son will tell me something and I might say, huh, I didn't get, I didn't get that at all. That's an interesting thing. And then he might go, well, um, you know, he might want to add something to it. It helps them to create the habit of paying attention. Mm -hmm. And as they get older, they start to do written narrations, but you don't like, you you don't need to tell them what to think about what you've read. You just ask them, Hey, you know, why don't you tell me about what I just read? Um, Now in the Charlotte Mason schools, not every child narrated everything that was read. So they had to pay even right. more attention because they didn't know if they're going to be called upon to narrate that reading or not. So we do a lot of reading a lot. He's getting older. So now sometimes I'll hand him the book and say, uh, like yesterday, he's, he has an ear infection right now. And he said, I don't really want to hear you reading aloud. I think that will bother my ear. And I said, OK, mm-hmm. fair Your point. <laughs> so why don't you read something? And then he said, as sometimes children will do, because nobody... Nobody's kids are just going like, yes, let me read these books. I'm, I love it, mother. He said, I don't really want to read that book. We're reading um, 
a book called Wild Animals I Have Known. And mm-hmm. we're reading um, a part of it has different chapters. And the part we're reading right now is about a dog named Bingo. And he said, I don't really, why do we have to read that? I don't really like it. And I said, well, you know, for one thing, you might like it when you get to the end of it. But we're reading it because this is um, about animals. And we're learning about how animals behave and mm-hmm. how animals might think. Like as if we know how they can think, but you know we're we're learning. Uh, this is natural history. We're learning about the natural world and how animals exist in the world. And then he read it, and then I asked him about it, and then he found some things funny about it, and he enjoyed it. But at first, he didn't want to do it. So as he gets older, he'll do more of the reading himself, right. and his narrations will go from oral narrations to written narrations. Okay, so I need you to explain this more to me. So, okay. So what I'm getting, like all these things I'm hearing you say, I love. I love all those ideas. But okay. But so far, what I'm getting is Charlotte Mason method is you read books. What is an actual day of teaching the Charlotte Mason method? How do you okay. cover all the subjects? What do you? What are the things you do? One of the things we study, we study the Bible, and we study. Um, it's a very rich liberal arts curriculum. So, typical day, we get together, we read the selections from the Bible. We're Episcopalians, so I add something from our Book of Common Prayer. We'll have a prayer. We'll listen to a hymn. So that's our Bible study. Then we move on to fine arts. Uh, usually during during the morning while we're getting ready for the day, we'll put on the composer that we're uh, learning for that 12 weeks. And Ambleside Online is set up for three 12-week terms. Okay. So we're in our second 12 weeks of our three terms. So we're listening to the composer, Ralph Vaughn Williams, and we've been listening to C Symphony. So I'll say, go put on the composer, and that'll just play in the background while we're making breakfast or tidying up or whatever. Uh, we're also learning an artist. Uh, we study an artist for 12 weeks. We have a poet. We read the poetry for 12 weeks. And we have a folk song. The folk song and the hymn change monthly. So I'll be like, okay, well, let's go look at that painting by Raphael. We're, right now we're looking at St. George and the Dragon. And we talk about it. And then maybe maybe another day I'll say, uh, don't go look at it. Tell me what that painting's about. And he'll mm-hmm. describe it. Last term, we studied Van Gogh, Mm -hmm. which he greatly loved. And he found Van Gogh paintings in stuff like Roblox and Minecraft, which was really fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, we're reading um, Longfellow's poetry. Interestingly enough, yesterday when we were reading, um, we were reading uh, from Age of Fable, which is Greek mythology, they referenced a Longfellow poem. And he got all excited, Longfellow, (gasps) we're studying Longfellow. I love it. And so it's also a curriculum of connections. Okay. And you don't make the connections for the children. Okay. You uh, sometimes I do, but try not to. I'm trying to let him <laughs> make hard. the connections. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'll say, oh, you mm-hmm. might find this interesting. This thing we just learned about Bacchus talks about a poem that Longfellow wrote about Bacchus, and he'll be like, oh, Longfellow, we're we're studying that. So uh, so anyway, we'll do our fine arts. What Charlotte Mason people also call the riches. So okay. your all your fine arts. We'll do that. And then I'll say, okay, well, our literature that we're reading this week is Sage of Fable. Uh, we're reading that today. So I'll read, like I said, we read about Bacchus. We're also reading Oliver Twist right now. Sometimes I'll put that on when I'm working in my office. I'll be like, hey, let's listen to the LibriVox of Oliver Twist. And then we get done listening. I'll say, what did you think about that? He'll be like, that lady was really mean to Oliver. <laughs> you know, uh, what do you, do you think that's, you know, like, tell me more about it. And he'll say, you know, whatever. So, um, so we study literature, we study natural history, we study science. Right now, in science, we are reading through the Christian Liberty Nature Reader, number five, I think. And it's uh, we're learning about the human body. So right now, we're about to read about the senses. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so not and not all of these books are extremely accurate now. Like we might know things now that we didn't know then. Right. Uh, when the book was written, but the books are so well written that they're still worth reading. We're reading a book, um, a natural history book called Madam How and Lady Why. And we're learning about how there's limestone um, that's kind of like the world is built on limestone. There's limestone under the sea mm-hmm. and limestone, like limestone chalk cliffs. And we here in central Texas, we have a lot of limestone. So we learn about science through, you know, we're studying the body. We're learning about science through earth science. We are learning about animals. So then do you also add in like modern texts 
to supplement things that might be wrong in the text you're reading or? Yes. Yeah, so when we are uh, yesterday, uh, one of the things we were reading, uh, we're reading um, Halliburton's Book of Marvels mm-hmm. and we read about Machu Picchu. So Mm -hmm. then when we got done reading about it, I said, well, let's find a video. And we found a National Geographic video about Machu Picchu. And then we watched it. So, yeah, we'll we'll read Mm -hmm. the source material and then we'll say, huh, well, let's see what modern information there is about that. Okay, so he has an understanding while you're schooling that these are older classic Mm -hmm. books and Mm -hmm. that some of the information has changed. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, it's been updated. Um, yeah. So, and then we're we're reading uh, history. So we have history books right now. We're reading um, Abraham Lincoln's World by Genevieve Foster, mm-hmm. and we're reading a book by James Dougherty. It's about the Oregon Trail exploration. Okay. We're reading a book called This Country of Ours, which was written by Henrietta Marshall. It's a very old history book, and we're reading about the presidents of the United States. So we're right up to uh, Polk right now. Okay. And we are learning foreign language in a cursory way. I'm trying to teach him French, and he's really resistant to it. He says, <laughs> he says he's rather learned Spanish. Like, I know French. Let's start there. <laughs> but he's you. come around to the idea that learning a foreign language is actually useful, which I consider mm-hmm. progress. And he says yeah. he might want to learn Spanish. So I think, you know, I'd, I'd like to know Spanish better. I'm a bad Spanish speaker, but I can mm-hmm. get along. Um, so we have that. Uh, we do grammar. We do handwriting. We do math. So, okay. So do you do all of that every school day? No. Oh, no. So we do. Okay. <laughs> so we do read something from one of our history books every day, but not okay. the same one. We read um, right now. Have how so, many history books do you have going? I have, I think we have three history books going right now. And so some of them overlap, but they're told in a mm-hmm. different way, which is, again, where the kids make connections. Where yeah, like, yeah. Hey, because mm-hmm. Leah will say, hey, we read about that person. Yeah, we did. So, yeah, three history books. We have two literature things going on. Oh, no, I, I have to take that back. We actually are also reading a church history book called Trials and Triumphs. So we are reading about different um Notable figures in the Christian world. We're about to read about Hudson Taylor. He's on the, he's coming up. So we're reading four history books. But like I said, we read them, some of them we read a little bit every day, like Abraham Lincoln's World. You really have to read a little bit of it every day. And then Mm -hmm. some of them we read once a week. Um, Art is once a week. Okay. And then, okay. (laughs) I'm still trying to wrap my head around all of this. Okay. It's a lot. Well, it's kind of. It's kind of like dabbling. You're kind of yes. dabbling in information. Yeah. And so when you're dabbling, connections. if the kids are more interested in one part of it than another, can you, within Charlotte Mason, is there an allowance for you then to just follow that path more? Or do you still need to make sure you're incorporating all of the things? Can you give me a somewhat more... Like, well, okay, so you're doing Abraham Lincoln right now, and let's say he is very interested in that. Can you continue to learn more about that and set aside the other history book for a while, or do is it something that you need to continue all of it at the same time? No, you would really continue all of it, but Abraham Lincoln's world isn't only about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, right, the Genevieve right. Foster books are real interesting in that they're a world history approach, mm-hmm. so you're learning about what happened in a certain time period all around the world. Okay. And and this the reason it's called Abraham Lincoln's World is it starts with his birth. And then it talks about when he was born. Everything in his Here's life. what was yeah. going on. Right. So you learn about and and I love that because American schooling tends to be American history centric. Yeah. And you know, that's not helpful. For us to think right. that we were the only country that ever did anything. <laughs> yep. uh, there was a lot going on all around the world. There was a lot going on in Asia. And there was a lot going on in Europe. And there's a lot going on in Africa. And, and not a lot of that is ever given any attention. Longtime listeners of our podcast know all about Transcript Maker, the online service that allows you to create professional high school transcripts from the comfort of your own home. And it's really one of the best tools a homeschooling mom or dad can have. With the new year starting up, every little thing that can save you time is well worth it. 
Transcript Maker really is a time saver. It's easy to use. You can access your transcript anytime and anywhere, and it calculates your GPA for you. And if you have any trouble, they have a helpline to solve whatever your issue quick as they can. And Transcript Maker is also a money saver. Happy Homeschooler podcast listeners can save 20% off the cost of their subscription with our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. Transcript Maker is a time saver. It's a money saver. It's a worry saver. It really is. So go to www.transcriptmaker.com and say no to stress this year. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. One of the other things we study is geography. Uh, So we're using Halliburton for that. But we also, everything we're reading, we're going to go and look at the globe. We're going to look at a map. We also are starting a timeline. So we're Mm -hmm. learning where things fit together. Uh, And the, the beauty of Charlotte Mason is this. Without studying, like forcing kids to memorize stuff or making them write papers, They learn how to do all of that because when they're writing a narration, they have to learn how to organize their thoughts. Mm -hmm. What happened first? What was the middle? Mm -hmm. Right. right. Well, I mean, yeah, when they're saying it orally, but when they start to do the narrations. I've read story after story after story of people whose kids uh, applied to college and had to write an essay, you know, for college applications, having never written an essay before. But because Mm -hmm. of the beauty of writing narrations and learning how reading such good just all that reading yeah all that reading you know helps to create really literate people who can express themselves well who have an extensive vocabulary it's a beautiful thing to me so the basics of it are reading and discussion basically is that i would say yeah and experiencing source materials okay Mm -hmm. so what how do you teach the things like you mentioned you do a grammar and a math curriculum are those part of charlotte mason how does charlotte mason address math so uh charlotte mason um, had principles for teaching math and in the early years you really would not use a curriculum i use one because it's just easier for me but i Mm -hmm. choose curriculum that matches the charlotte mason philosophy so um, we have used Math UC. I've used it with all of my kids because mm-hmm. it fits into the short lessons. It doesn't have a lot mm-hmm. of busy work. It's not dumbed down. Like kids uh, who use Math UC are doing algebraic things really early on. So I look for curriculum that fits. So I use Easy Grammar for the same reason. It's short lessons. Right. It builds on the next thing, and it's it fits right. in with what they're learning, you know. Right. And then you said your son's in year five, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? So mm-hmm. how do the years work? Do you learn about certain subjects each year? Is that set up for you? Or yeah, you it's really it? interesting. Um, it's really interesting. So it's there's kind of a sequential thing. So if you start in year one, we were learning about the Middle Ages then, and then we progressed to um, – the 1600s, uh, you know, when the pilgrims got here and what was going on in the world about that time. And then we were we just went through the Revolutionary War last year. And now we're into the age of expansion where, you know, America was 13 colonies and now it's just trucking across westward and what was going on in the world. We're learning about inventors this year. So that's kind of science, kind of history. We're learning about how um, inventions um, may people be able to travel or be able to learn materials like when the printing press was developed, um, how that made literature and and ideas available to more people. So yeah, each year builds uh, or progresses to the next year. And by the time they're in high school, they do like modern studies and current events and things like that. Okay, so it's sequential pretty much for the history um, Mm -hmm. parts of it. Yeah. If you were starting with someone older, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't automatically start at year one. Is there a starting place? Yeah, so you can look at, when you go to Ambleside online, you can look at each year and see it has an overview of what's studied. Depending on what kind of a school that child came out of um, would depend on where you'd want to start them. 
But what the principle is, is you want the material to be challenging, but not discouraging. So sometimes, Mm -hmm. like sometimes the things I'm doing with my son are more in depth and more challenging than what his public school friends are doing at their same grade level. Yeah. Or his friends, because of his birthday, he's um, his birthday is in September. So he's a fourth grader, but his friends are fifth grade. And some of the stuff they haven't studied yet that he's already yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's um, what they tell people uh, on the Ambleside online is like if you're starting with a kid in um, and you're bringing them from public school or private school and they're seventh grade, but you want to start them in year six, don't tell them it's like a grade level because it might upset them. Okay. Yeah, but that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then one of the things I really love about um, using Ambleside online is it's a whole community. So, for example, the composer and the artist and the poetry um, and the folk song and the hymn, everybody, regardless of what year they're in, we're all studying that together. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's really fun. There's a, there's a great so space. Where do you get that? Like who tells you, okay, this year you're studying this artist. It's all like, on the Ambleside you... website. Okay. At okay. AmblesideOnline.org. And yeah, it's really cool. So then on the online um, Facebook group, People will talk about, oh, you know, my kids, like last year, one of the folk songs we had was the Wellerman, and everyone went nuts for it. Everyone. Like, people still are are all about the Wellerman, and that's been like a year ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, so people get really into it, and they, they'll, we'll get on there, and we'll share things. We'll talk about the artist, and mm-hmm. oh, here's this, uh, people will share like, oh, here's a really great uh, documentary about Van Gogh, or oh, the Van Gogh Interactive Exhibit is coming to this town or like it's just it's just a really great community, which is another reason why, you know, for as a as an educator, I love it because I have this community, this worldwide community. Right. That is awesome. A lot of resources available. That we're, yeah. And then and then we're all talking about like when the new folk song comes out. Oh, yeah. What do you think about that one? Oh, my gosh. You know, um, so that's really fun because, you know, your kids are in different years. But the riches, as we call it, we're all doing this at all the same. Okay. I like that concept. Year one or year 12. Yeah. Okay. So I have, so I, uh, you know, I didn't really do a particular style of homeschooling most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I knew of Charlotte Mason, but I also knew of that it was a Christian based method and mm-hmm. we do secular schooling. So is there room for secular homeschooling in the Charlotte Mason method? Is are you, can you do it in a secular way? Yeah, I think that there are secular um, folks on the the Ambleside online list uh, okay. on, in the Facebook group, and they simply would omit the Bible materials. So the um, rest of it is not necessarily Christian-based, the book. No. I mean, I some of them will be, reading, obviously, but... Yeah, when you're reading Abraham Lincoln's world, it's talking mm-hmm. about the different people. Some of them right. were religious people, so it would be talking right. about that. You know, when you're looking at a piece of art or you're reading Oliver Twist or you're reading Age of Fable, Greek mythology. In fact, here's the funny thing about it. So um, one of the things that Ambleside Online um, in the literature, a lot of fairy tales, a lot mm-hmm. of um, mythologies and things like that. And some people who are um, very conservative Christians, they don't like it. Yeah, I feel like it's lying <laughs> to your kids like a, and, and even my son had said to me one time, if we um, follow God, why are we reading these Greek mythologies? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, because they're just stories yeah. and they come up in all the literature that you're going to read later. And it's to help you understand, like when someone says, oh, that guy was like. Uh, he was an Adonis. You'll right, know what that, that you're familiar. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. So some people have a hard. Some people who are Christians have a hard time with it because they're like, "Why are we studying that?" <laughs> uh, and some but people who can... are Christians have a hard time with it because they're like, "We don't want to read the Bible." But you, yeah, you can take the principles, which is right, don't get in your kid and the material. Mm-hmm. Respect your kid as a person, which I think you're super great at that. Uh, I don't know anybody who's better at that, really about respecting their kids mm-hmm. as people. You know, you can take a lot of those principles, whether you're a Christian yeah. or not. But Charlotte Mason was a Christian, and a, a right. lot of her writings are infused with that. They're going to reflect that. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's also a great respect for the outdoor. And, yes. and she very strongly 
stress spending a great chunk of time outdoors mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, and that's where I, mean, I struggle. <laughs> well, at England at the time when she was coming forward, like that was not the case in the educational system. And so she was a breath of fresh air, like literally mm-hmm. and figuratively, She's like go outside. And so there's great, a lot of people who spend a lot of time with journaling, sitting outside, sketching mm-hmm. what they see, um, it's a just really lovely, well-rounded way to approach learning from the world around you. Yeah, I think we would go outside a little bit more sometimes if my son didn't get super distracted by it. So like if we could go out and read a book out there, but then I'm like, hey, wait a minute, are you paying attention? <laughs> so, um, but we, but yeah, being outdoors is so beneficial. Like we could, and you can be outdoors just doing anything. Have your lunch outdoors. She said, Charlotte Mason said, Gardening, you should playing. not be indoors when you can rightly be out of doors. Out of doors. Mm-hmm. I agree yeah. with that. So I took that yeah. to heart because we had a tiny house and a lot of people mm-hmm. in it. So we were outside a lot. But usually it was like we would do our academic lessons and then they would go outside and explore. And mm-hmm. that's in those little ways that I incorporated a lot of Charlotte Mason's ideas because yeah. just. They resonated. They worked well for the family. And again, just that whole short lesson and then go out and explore, play with the water, watch the ants, all of those things. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about Charlotte Mason is she never married and she never had any children of her own. But she was extremely wise. Yeah. And she She really understood the nature of children. And she really respected that they should be given the best of an education, what she called a liberal education. Nowadays, you say liberal in America, people are like, ah, but that's not what it means. (laughs) She meant like a really rich, a very uh, beautiful education full of all the stuff that a lot of kids weren't getting at that time Mm -hmm. in England, Mm -hmm. you know, when they were, um, kids were working in factories and things. And she felt that that was not respecting children and not giving them the things that they needed. And I'm a liberal arts person. So one one of the things that happened to me, so I started off with um, a Becca, you know, very textbooky curriculum. Mm-hmm. And it, it had so many papers and I got kind of like, I don't like this. The more kids I had, the more I felt like yeah. I was going to drown in paper. Right. And then we found unit studies, which I liked, but it still wasn't the thing that made my heart sing. And then I met Charlotte Mason. Because I kept saying, why can't we do this without a workbook? Or why can't we do yeah. this without a worksheet or something? And with Charlotte Mason, I found that, that, mm-hmm. um, you know, this, I have always been a person who was into books. I would read so much and get into such a world of reading that my mom would call me and I wouldn't hear her and she would get so angry at me. <laughs> so I've always been into, into books. And so when I was like, this is what I wanted for my kids, just to read these beautiful right. books. I, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't get me from not to not do it. I, <laughs> I've thought sometimes, oh, I might want to do something different. Um, it's, it can be really time consuming, right? To get all the materials together, but um, Ambleside Online makes it easy. And now that I've done it so long, I know, you know, like. Monday, mm-hmm. I'm going to tackle these things, and Tuesday is going to be this, and Wednesday. I've got a good rhythm, but at first, it was hard to incorporate, which is why I'm still doing more each year than I did when I started out. My first five kids, did I uh, did do Charlotte Mason with them from 1998 onward, but they didn't have the rich, full experience that my son mm-hmm. now has, because I know more, and I have more resources. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're all really good readers and writers. So I think it worked. I think we all read Amber O'Neill Johnston's book, A Place to Belong. Or did you guys read it? I think I'm I know still reading. Did. I'm still working through it. I've got so many books. So going. it's about including <laughs> diversity in your homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole segment in there where she discusses um, the problems with living books and that she's a big fan of Charlotte Mason method, but that there's some problems with inclusivity in the living. Right. Books and that I agree. Um, that, you know, that she's in her homeschooling, tried to change it and include. Other yeah, things. she says. In her homeschool, Charlotte Mason wears an afro, which I love. Yes. And, so, and I have used some of her resources. In she my, has some great resources to she add. Has, it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's one reason why I, I like the Genevieve Foster books, because they do talk about 
people on the different continents right. and what they were doing. And yeah, I, mm-hmm. I really have appreciated Amber O'Neill Johnston. Yeah. Um, I, I love her writing, but I, know, do, because, I just wanted to bring that up because I know yeah. that has been a concern with some people for the Charlotte Mason method, that it's not right. inclusive to all people. And that, you know, what in Amber O'Neill Johnston's books is her point is like, you want your children to be able to see themselves in what you're yes. reading to them. Right. So if you're only reading books from a hundred years ago, they may not sure. see themselves. One of the things to do though, is like those books weren't available when mm-hmm. uh, so many of these uh, Charlotte Mason sites were being written, but people are still writing living books right. today. You just have to find them and then incorporate them into, into your rotation. And um, I mean, it is something that everyone is more aware of now than we yeah. were even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that is something that you just have to be aware of. I don't know if the Ambleside Online people are making an effort to incorporate that into their into the years, but that's they one. do um, update things from time to time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. I'm um, a very frugal person, as as some of you know, mm-hmm. and so I still have the uh, printouts of the book lists and things that I had used for my other children. Mm-hmm. And I thought, great, I won't have to print them out again. But when I went to look, they have changed the selections that they use. Now, that okay. is not to say that the Ambleside Online selections are um, the same things that Amber O'Neill Johnston would be recommending. And right, the course. reason they give for that is that it's Western education. I might mm-hmm. not be explaining that right. But I, I will say that Amber helped me so much because I didn't even know that at the time when Mozart was writing his symphonies, mm-hmm. there were people of color who were right. writing symphonies. Sometimes they didn't make much of it. Or those people just simply didn't get the attention. But there, right. so we have incorporated, like when I'm looking at uh, what year that we're studying um, or what time period, I will look for those materials. Or I'll just go to Amber's site because she's already got it going yeah, on. Yeah, she has great lists. Mm-hmm. She's got great lists. Right. And I have bought um, some wonderful books. Like I said, we're studying inventors. So I have a book about mm-hmm. George Washington Carver. And, you know, we're studying all kinds of inventors of that period. Right. Um, so I appreciate that Amber has plowed that field for us because I do think that's important. My son is part Native American. And so, um, you know, we tried, we're reading a lot about how people in the United States came over and how they interacted mm-hmm. with Native Americans. So I think that we all, um, we all have a responsibility to look for those diverse things. But, you know, just like you said, can you be a secular Charlotte Mason homeschooler? Yeah. Can you bring in diverse um, resources for Charlotte mm-hmm. Mason education? Yeah, please do. Mm-hmm. Please do. <laughs> And I often use the Ambleside Online like book list. Almost all the books you mentioned we have used, I just used them in a different way. But really, mm-hmm. if you're interested, I think that was one of the main things that drew me into her is that books that are wonderful to read at any age. The the language is rich and it flows and the ideas are worth thinking about, especially the ones that she recommends for science. Yeah, they're they're just it's so rich. And you can do it real in depth or you can do it in a in a more light manner. There's a woman, um, she has a, a podcast called The New Mason Jar. And one of oh, their yeah. taglines is, um, however imperfectly, you can do this mm-hmm. Charlotte Mason method. However imperfectly, you're still giving your kids something wonderful. So, you know, if you don't do, like we haven't started Latin yet, uh-oh. Your five students are normally doing Latin. I think we'll do it next year. <laughs> Uh-oh. You know, am I giving my kid a bad education because we're going to wait one more year to start Latin? No, I'm not worried about it. Some of my other kids didn't start Latin until they were in high school. It's all fine. Um, it's not mm-hmm. It's not a bunch of boxes to check off. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to give my kid a really great education. And he's into computer things. Like, he wants to play Roblox all the time. And... That's certainly not Charlotte Mason at all. <laughs> but there's, a, there's a place for that. You know? There's definitely a place for that. Um, but I'm trying to, like I tell him, you know, it's our responsibility to develop ourselves in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. And this is such a rich banquet. You know, we've got 
music to study. We've got artists to appreciate. We've got books to read and history to learn. It's so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives him a lot of stuff to think about and develop himself. And then another thing uh, that Charlotte Mason um, really espouses, which we're not as good at, and I hope we're going to get better, are handicrafts. So um, the idea that you find things that you can do with your hands, useful skills and lifelong pursuits. We haven't gotten there mm-hmm. yet. My son doesn't really like to do crafts. So I'm thinking maybe we can do wood burning. Maybe that'll be some kind of a guy thing that he'll really get. <laughs> he doesn't like or to draw. Or even mechanical things. Paint. Does he like mechanical things? Because that's also mm-hmm. working with your hands. No, no, not much. He wants to, <laughs> he, he really likes Roblox and Minecraft. He's a gamer. Right? <laughs> he wants to be a YouTuber. And he's always telling me, if you'd let me, I could make a lot of money. I'm like, that's not your job right now. <laughs> not your job right now. Um, and he likes sports. And Charlotte Mason was big about using your body. Um, there's yeah. something they did called Swedish Drill, which I've been learning a little bit more about. We haven't done it yet. But apparently it's, uh, it's good for your body and helps your body alignment and uh, things kind of like in a way similar to maybe Pilates. Mm-hmm. Or uh, in a way that yoga does, Swedish drill was a really old thing, uh, like it was back in the 1800s. Um, but somebody that's a what do you call people who teach about your physical body? Like not like a physical therapist, but a kinesiologist maybe. Yes, yes. Yeah. So she has uh, taken the principles of Swedish drill and she's written a book about it. And I'm like, oh, we should try that sometime because he's really into sports. He's about to be doing basketball. He's been doing soccer. He does parkour. And he does running. So I'm like, well, maybe he does. Maybe we need Swedish drill just to make sure his muscles don't get overused in one way or another. But like so much of this, when when people have studied it, they're like, wow, yeah, that's for all these reasons. That's still really mm-hmm. good for you. Yeah. I find that fascinating. Here at the end of our podcast, we like to answer a big question. Holly, what's our question for today? Well, today's big question is. How can we celebrate Valentine's Day when we homeschool? Well, I know people worry about that because you're not in a classroom doing all the traditional little handing out Valentine's and all of that, but you can still do it. We've done it almost Mm -hmm. every year with our park day group. Our park day has a little Valentine's exchange the week of Valentine's, and it's always a big hit. And a lot of people who don't normally come to park day come to it because they're feeling like they're missing out on that too. Right? (laughs) Yeah, we had one at park day last year. Um, We have a social um, club group. And so um, the organizer said, hey, does everybody want to get together and exchange Valentine's? So all the people who wanted to do it, they posted their kids' names. Yeah. So their kid could get a Valentine with their name on it. And then everybody brought some kind of a container in which they would receive their Valentines. And people brought mm-hmm. some people brought little like, you know, little package snacks or pencils or whatever. And the kids had a great time. And the parents had a great time, and it yeah. was very impromptu. But you can, we had a Valentine's Day lunch one time. Yeah, it can be as low key or as big deal as you want mm-hmm. it to be. At one of ours, we uh, had the kids do Valentine's cards for uh, the local nursing home too while we were there at Park Day, and then oh, I love that. Off. That's a great idea. And you can always throw a Valentine's party if you're not part of a co-op, you mm-hmm. know, and then we mm-hmm. celebrated with our family and sent Valentine's to the family members. I mean, then they were getting mail in the mailbox because almost everybody would write back. Yeah, that's exciting. Or and if you you're not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. You can do something special with the kids, make a special breakfast, you know, watch a special movie. Just I make it to, a, a special day. Yeah, I used to... Um, Make a little uh, on the kids placemat. I would put their Valentine, and I always I made them a card, a special card. Uh, I, I was really went all out for a long time, and <laughs> now I'm kind of like I just buy a Valentine box at the store. <laughs> <laughs> and I might make a card or I might not. Um, you can take that whole idea of Valentine's Day and you can use it for all kinds of holidays. Yeah. Um, and we did an episode a while back called um, a holiday every day where we went to the national day calendar mm-hmm. and I said, but like for one, one of the things I do and my grown kids still do it. So I think it was a success is for president's day. We eat a cherry pie. That's oh, fun. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
And my grown-up kids still do it. I, I think that's that. delightful. Yeah. <laughs> so we, but, we, you know, celebrate those holidays with a centerpiece on the table for that month. Or mm-hmm. like my husband was always big, I and mean, he would always bring everybody some little special something on Valentine's Day. Oh. That so, I want to remind people that your kids don't know that they're missing something. If you right. feel like they're missing that school Valentine's exchange experience, it's because you remember it. They don't, they don't know they're missing that. So you can make it be whatever you want it to be. Sure. But so I think true. that the question comes up from people who, whose kids were in public school. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes they're, you know, sometimes when people decide to bring their kids home from public or private school, the kids aren't completely on board with the idea. Yeah. And they're missing some of those things. And I do mm-hmm. think it's valuable to provide those for your kids. Yeah. When we brought my oldest daughter home, one of the things she wanted was to eat her lunch on a tray. <laughs> and she wanted to have the kind of grilled cheese they made at her school, which was one slice <laughs> of wheat bread and one slice of white. So I just went home. Oh. The thrift store, <laughs> y'all are going to be like, Holly never goes anywhere else. And it's just about true. <laughs> but I went to the thrift store and I bought a little uh, sectioned food tray. Right. Yeah. And, you know, actually, it was a really great idea because all my kids loved them. Yeah. And it made it mm-hmm. easy to give them a, their little meal and they would eat outside on the picnic table because we lived in a small house and had a lot of kids. But, you know, um, when you bring your kids home and there are these special things that they do remember, it really it does become a big deal. Yeah. And all you need to do is uh, know another homeschool family or two and ask them if they right. want to do it with you. Right. And, and if, you you're, go, if you're in any online Facebook groups for homeschool communities, which there's so many and there's, they're huge, mm-hmm. just go in there and ask, hey, is anybody doing something for Valentine's Day? And they're usually oh, you will a get group so doing many it. People. Right. Or or all of a sudden, you'll have a bunch of people who are like, we want to come and do what you're <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. It'll be fun. And now's a good time to start planning so people can get their little ducks in a row. Absolutely. Yeah. Before we go today, we want to leave you with a few reminders. Remember that the registration deadline for the March 11th SAT is February 10th. But if you miss the deadline on the 10th, the late registration is on February 28th. Don't forget, you can save 20% off the cost of your Transcript Maker subscription with our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. If you would like to reach us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Happy Homeschool Pod. You can reach us through email at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. Next time, we'll be discussing how to get your partner involved in your homeschool. Thank you for listening today. I'm Jennifer. I'm Melody. I'm Holly. Happy Happy homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Jennifer Jones. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Holly Williams-Urbach and Melody Gillum. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us.